if you want to start investing in private equity or real estate or syndications or funds, it's important to have that person and trust their advice, but also to bring in other mentors or advisors that understand that space so that you can feel comfortable in making those decisions. I think that's great. And I think that speaks to the team concept is that you, you assemble a team who plays well with others. That's really important. I'm Stephen Pesavento and welcome to the Name Your Number podcast presented by the Investor Mindset. As someone who comes from a challenging childhood, I've spent my life seeking financial security, personal growth, and ultimately freedom. The freedom to not wake up worried about the next paycheck, but rather with the confidence of knowing that my passive income pays my bills without the need to think about it. When you name your number that you'll earn passively, that creates your ultimate quality of life, then I believe you've achieved real freedom. Welcome to my show. It's time to name your number. I'm joined by Lisa Chastain in the studio. How are you doing today, Lisa? I'm awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I uh, I love the work that you're doing because you're focused very, very much so on helping people understand the right money mindset to carry and how to truly take back control of their financial life. So we have a lot in common. I'm looking forward to getting into all of it. Uh, what I'm curious before we get into all of that, tell me what was one of the first things that you named, one of those first targets that you went after that was really putting you on that path towards kind of taking back control of your own financial destiny? One of the first things that I went after to take control of my financial destiny was to start a business. I had, I had been married at that time. I was about what 10 years ago. I was 34 ish. I don't remember the exact age 34 ish. I was a stay-at-home mom after having built my first career in my 20s. I stayed home for a few years to take care of my son. And my marriage was failing and we were failing financially. My ex-husband was in and out of work, struggling with addiction. And I could see the writing on the wall, having been the person to manage the finances in the marriage the whole time. I started seeing our net worth go down, credit card debt go up all signs pointing to failure, financial failure. And I knew that if I didn't do something about it, we were going to be a place in a place I didn't want to be. And being a stay-at-home mom, I had little control of what I could do about it. So I made the decision. And when I left my first career, I made the decision to become a, I, I unconsciously made a decision to be a business owner because I said, I don't ever want to work for anybody ever again. What what was it that made you decide working for somebody else was was the issue? Um, I have been a leader my whole life, and I also love being in charge. I love making decisions. I love calling the shots, and I wanted to take that to the next level in my life. And working for someone just did not feel right. It did not make sense. Well, I know earlier in your career, you were a financial advisor and you went down that path because you wanted to be able to mentor and help people. And you also wanted to make a lot of money doing it. Yeah. What did you find about the traditional financial uh, education or financial advising system that was broken? And what what led you to, to making a change? For me, it's um, what I didn't... Well, two things. What I didn't realize at the time is that it's primarily male-dominated. So I was working in a high net worth firm for male partners. Not that that's a bad thing. 
Um, but being a woman and being a, a duck and really a fish out of water at that time, I was not getting the support that I needed or wanted as a woman. And I didn't see a lot of other women in the field. So I was just surrounded by men. I love men. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but being a woman in finance, I felt like I was flailing in some ways, not having role models and mentors who were women. And then the other thing is that what they don't tell you as a financial advisor getting into the industry is that it's very much sink or swim. You're on your own. I think that that's changing, but that's what, that was my experience at the time, sink or swim. And I was sinking. So I had to do something other, I was going to run out of money. And so that was for me, I just was like, if I don't do something, I'm going to run out of money. I got to figure this out. And so I hired a coach who pulled me out of the swamp enough for me to catch my breath and realize that I really didn't love invite. I didn't love the investing part of the industry. It's cool, but I love the coaching part of it. So that's when I shifted gears. Yeah. Well, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, financial advising, you go and you get all these licenses and they kind of present it to you that you're going to be able to make a ton of money yourself. You're going to help all these other people. But at the core of the financial industry is it's a sales position and it's all about selling. And the way that you make money is by getting assets under management or selling those people into making trades that you get paid on. And so there can be a little bit of a conflict when you're trying to focus on, hey, how do I help as many people move forward towards the things that they really want versus how do I actually get paid for helping folks? So yeah. making that that intentional shift to, hey, my job's here is to help you and I'm going to coach you on money and how to think about it and how to live differently than, you know, 99% of people who have been educated on finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is an empowering position to be in. It was. It, as soon as I made the shift, I knew it was the right shift. Yeah. What What made it the right shift for you? One is that I learned very quickly how to make money not attached to assets under management. So the industry has changed a lot in 10 years where advisors are starting to charge for financial planning. And I'm really not that passionate about the planning aspect either. So the fact that I can get charged for my coaching and my skill set almost immediately, that turnaround for me was exhilarating. And that I didn't have to also play ball with the SEC, which, you know, all the red tape and all the compliance was just whole, it felt really cumbersome to me. So with my coaching tools, I'm able to help people make shifts, see those shifts really quickly. I don't have to have asset center management, which means that I can help someone whether or not they're a millionaire or barely starting out too. So for me, that was like the energy around it and the transformation that I was seeing. I was like, let's go, let's do this. Well, I'm such a big believer of you need to build your team. You need to have the right kind of advisors and coaches and mentors and sponsors and people that you're working with and partnering with. And some of those people, you're going to pay a fee for their advice and their experience. And some of those people you're going to partner with. And some of those people are going to get paid based on success. There's going to be a bunch of different ways that you can do that. But one of the benefits of paying directly for that advice is that you're able to receive it. You're able to take action on it. And regardless of how big of a success you have, you've taken the, the time to learn those lessons and you're able to then change that up, whether or not 
you're working with that person continuously for decades or whether you're just going to work with them for a moment, it gives you an opportunity to oftentimes pay a heck of a lot less than it would take to go and learn that information on your own. And so I think it's a really, really smart path. Um, So we'll get back to talking about building a team in a second. But one thing that I think is so important, and I know you feel the same, is the importance of actually tracking your net worth and Mm -hmm. understanding your personal balance sheet, how much money you actually have, where it is, debts, um, income, your cash flow statement, all those different things. Can you talk to me a little bit about why that's so important and, and yet so few people actually do it? Um, on the important side, that's your scorecard. That That is the whole picture. And connected to a budget, which I don't really teach budgets, but connected to the thought of managing your finances on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. If all you're doing is tracking money in and out of your bank account, no wonder you feel broke all the time because it's designed to move cash. You're designed that main operating account that you have, which most Americans are still just banking out of one account. It's going to go up some days. It's going to go down some days. You're going to get paid. You're going to pay a bill. That's the financial roller coaster that people keep themselves on because that actual account is not designed to keep a ton of money in it in the first place. So the way that I see it is that money channels in and through. And then if you're moving it to different accounts for different purposes, that would be in your net worth as you calculate it every single month. And it by tracking your net worth, which if a listener doesn't know what that is, it's really just tracking your assets and your, and your liabilities. What do you own and what do you owe? So the value of that is every single month, you can know those daily decisions, those monthly decisions that you're making, how they're actually adding up or not adding up, how they're moving you to the future that you want, or they're not moving you to the future that you want. That's the value. That's your scorecard that, you know, all of your decisions are moving you in some kind of direction, right? It doesn't, add, I mean, whatever it is, it could be getting your kids to college. All of your accounts are in one place that you're actively tracking. You're in ownership of what's actually happening financially. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, this just happened to me yesterday with a client. We've been working together for years and she still is not tracking her net worth. And I'm very patient with her. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, yesterday, I was like, what is the deal? Why are you not doing this? Why won't you do this? I just need you to do it once a month. That's all I need. Once a month, the same time of the month, calculate everything that's in your accounts. We jumped off the call. She committed to doing it. And she realized that it was fear and shame that was holding her back from doing it in the first place. She didn't want to look at it because she was afraid of what she was going to see. And I think that's for a lot of people that we're judging ourselves. We're comparing ourselves. We don't want to see the debt, but if we can learn how to look at it from a bigger picture, then we can actually see where the problems are. It's not just a shame or guilt of what you don't have. Well, it's one of the biggest mistakes people make in business is that they're not tracking their most important number. They're not tracking their KPIs. They don't really know where their business is at because they're only looking at how many dollars are coming in and how many dollars are going out. They don't, they're not looking at what are those leading and lagging indicators that are telling me that I'm going in the right direction. And this mm-hmm. is why really name your number was created because you need to be able to understand how much income do you need to live the life you want to live. And the only way that you can understand how to use that number is by getting clear 
on your net worth, on your balance sheet, what you actually own and what you owe so that you can then go out and strategically make investments Mm -hmm. into yourself to gain skills and knowledge, but also into assets that are going to pay you Mm -hmm. and then flip over to the cash flow statement. What are you going to do to actually go and make that money? And yet if you're not tracking it, you can't feel the progress no matter how big or small it is. And you end up staying in that, oh, I'd rather have my head in the sand uh, because I don't want to get the bad news. But sometimes the bad news is actually really good news because you can really do something with it. Exactly. Exactly. It's that perspective. It's that perspective that keeps us off the emotional roller coaster. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. it's such a big change. And, um, one of the most powerful lessons that I think you can learn is when you realize that the most successful, wealthy people, what are they doing? Mm -hmm. Where are they spending their time? How are they thinking about their finances and how much time do they actually spend going over those things? It can make a big difference. What have you seen in kind of the research you've done on what successful people do with their money? Well, the first thing is, is if you want to be like a millionaire or you want to be a millionaire, you got to act like a millionaire. And I think that for someone who's never experienced that, or for someone who has grown up in the scarcity environment, or is just, you know, a W2 is realizing that millionaires, successful, financially successful people don't have all their money in one place, which is another reason why the net worth calculator, the net worth sheet, it's just, for me, it's a simple Excel sheet is so important because people with a lot of money have their money all over the place. They've got it in real estate holdings. They've got it in the stock market. They've got it in mutual funds. They have different accounts for different purposes. In our household, we have a 529. We have a trust account for our kid. We have some cryptocurrency. Like we've got money being invested all over the different places. And if you're just looking at one app to try to figure that out, are you really building strategically? So millionaires, I even have five cash accounts for my household. Mm. So have different different accounts for different purposes, different savings accounts, have a dream account, have a vacation account and move your money into those different accounts for different purposes. You start to operate with your money a whole lot differently and a whole lot more strategically. Same thing with the profit first philosophy, right? Have a taxes account, have an account for profit, separate that money out. Don't let it sit in just one account. Yeah. The other thing is treat your money like a part-time job. Ultra wealthy people. When, uh, when my financial advisor and I had this conversation, we taught a workshop, the, the people that that she works with who are ultra wealthy, who are self-made spend an average of 20 to 30 hours a month on their money tracking their money, having conversations about their money, become obsessed with your money, not from a place of scarcity, but from a place of opportunity. Those are the two things that I see that make a big difference in mindset and in behavior. Yeah. Because what you're paying attention to is what it gets your attention and what you're paying attention to is going to get your focus and you're going to actually do something as a result of that. Just just by going in and tracking what you're spending and where that money is going, you're going to subconsciously make different decisions, let alone the ability to consciously decide, should I be spending my money here or should I not be? And those are just the little things that allow you to be able to keep more of the money that you have and put it towards the things that matter most. Because I don't know if you're like me, but my vision about money is not, don't go out and enjoy it. I'm all about 
spend the money and, and do yeah. the things that you necessarily need to do, right? Like we yes. work really hard so we can live well, but we, if we're conscious to the trade-off that we're making in that moment, when we spend the thousand dollars on the trip or the 10,000 or the hundred thousand, depending yeah. on what level of life you're living, that when we make that decision, we consciously know that we're giving up that hundred thousand dollars today that could make a 16 X return in the next 12 or 20 years. If we invest it correctly, mm-hmm. is it worth it? And most mm-hmm. of the time you're going to say, yes, it is. But there's plenty of things that I've found in my life that are not worth spending the money on. And all of a sudden now, now I'm sitting on more money than I had before because I'm enjoying the things that I'm putting that money towards, but I'm also being selective about what those experiences are that I actually care about. Yeah. Let me give you an example of what that looks like in my life. The way I describe it to my, to my, um, my clients is that you're on a fast moving train and that's called life. And the train is not stopping for you. And if the only goal in your financial life is to save as much money as humanly possible, it's as your train of life is moving. My kids are 13 and 15 and, and in a very, very short amount of time, they're going to be out of the house. Hmm. I want to have memories with them now. And I'm willing to put money in that way. I'm willing to spend money to go on an Alaskan cruise with my teenagers to have that memory versus sock all of that money away for something that I may or may not actually have happen in my life, right? I don't know how long I'm going to live. There has to be a balance between saving money and investing money and enjoying your life today and the people that are in your life right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a powerful, powerful point because we don't know how long we have to live. We don't know how many more moments we have with the people that we care about And it's well worth the money to make those memories because happiness actually comes from memories. It comes from those experiences that we have with other people. And when we're intentional about selecting what are those things we want to do, we feel so much better about putting those things out into the world and then going back and working or doing whatever we do that, that we enjoy to make that money. That's right. I'm willing to work 10 hour days to be able to have those summer vacations with my kids. I get to make that decision. And so often financially, I don't believe that there, there is a healthy enough conversation in the world of money about you get to decide what those trade-offs are going to be. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really powerful point. And yet so many people that I talk to, right. We run a private equity company. We go and invest in real estate we're buying businesses, we've got debt offerings, we've got all kinds of things that people can invest into. But frankly, before they even make that decision to get involved and invest with us, I truly believe they need to have a plan of what they actually want for their life. And they need to build a team. They need other people around them who can help them understand where they can save money in taxes, how they can structure their life and estate to protect from from negative things that might happen and to understand what they're really going for. So I've got a ton of ideas on building a team, but I'm curious from your perspective, how have you gone about, or how do you recommend other people go about finding those right advisors, those right mentors, those attorneys, those CPAs, those people in their life who can really help support them with those expertise that they really need to be able to get where they wanna go? That's such a great question. I just had this happen this morning. I had two couples in my conference room brother and sister, and then their, their spouses. 
and they own businesses together, they've done a phenomenal job of saving their cash. And the first question they had when we had our first phone call together was, where can we invest this money? And the first 45 minutes of that conversation was, what do you want? Mm. Okay. What do you really want? What do you want that you don't have right now? And they all lit up because I could have easily just led with the investment piece. But when I, when I asked each of them specifically, I went around the table, what is it that you really want? All four of them said, we want to travel more. Mm. We want to travel more and we want to know our kids are set up for their future. And we want to know that the decisions we're making in our business are tax efficient. And also that we can have passive income. They're so smart in their thirties, building their families and their businesses. It wasn't until I got all of that out of them, that then I made the recommendation of what team member to start adding first because they, um, they absolutely need a certified financial planner. And based on the time of year, it's November. They want to make sure that their businesses are tax efficient and also that they can use any tax efficient vehicle, which a certified financial planner would be able to point them in that direction. Do we open a 401k? Do we open a simple? Do we open a SEP IRA? I said, I don't know, but let's make sure that you get with that person right now based on the time of year. And you have, you're sitting on a ton of cash. Let's start building that strategy out about how you want to invest that, save it, use it, whatever that is. So I make a recommendation on the right individual based on what specifically is going on in their life. And then we start to quarterback and move the right people in at the right time. Always, I think businesses, you want to have a bookkeeper, a CPA, a financial planner, and probably an estate planning attorney. Not all at once, though. That might be really overwhelming, you know? Yeah, unless you're like a super high achiever and you oh want to God. quarterback everything and just go after it. You know, it, it's so true. One of the biggest mistakes people make, if anyone's listening to this, then they don't have a trust for estate planning purposes right. set up and you own anything and you have anybody in your life, you're an idiot. Don't <laughs> worry, I was an idiot too. It's super important to go out and do that immediately. Yeah. Because unless you like the government to decide what's going to happen to your stuff yeah. and to the people in your life, you need to trust. And a lot of people don't. So, right. And I think there's a lot of misinformation. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that discount what they actually have because a lot of people are raised with a scarcity mindset that they don't have enough or that they aren't enough. But who do you want to handle your house when you die? The government or a loved one? It is, it, and I've, I've actually been on the receiving side of conversations from attorneys, sadly, who say you don't need a trust. And I totally agree with you <laughs> that if you have valuables, you have something that you want to be in control of even when you're dead, a trust is going to be the way for you to be able to navigate that the best. I agree with you. Wills are worthless. Yeah. A trust is an absolute must. Everything yeah. should be in the trust. And, um, I've bought hundreds and hundreds of properties and I've dealt with people going through estate issues and years and decades later, those issues can come back up. And if it was in a trust, the problems would have been so much simpler. They would have been nearly addressed immediately. But when circling back, when it comes to finding, finding a financial planner, you know, I've found that there's some amazing people out there that can help you. And I found it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend when it comes to finding that person to help make that plan? 
Well, ideally, a financial, uh, the right financial professional would be someone that is going to be in your life for a very long time. So I think the first thing is longevity. You want to look for someone who is committed to this profession and who can communicate what their goal and vision is for being in this profession. My financial advisor is one of my best friends. I trust her with my life. And I also, she is going to be around in her um, in her company, and she has also a legacy plan for when she leaves. So I know that I'm right. I'm with someone who also wants to be with me for a long time. The other thing is that not all financial advisors, just because they call themselves a financial advisor, are equal. Mm-hmm. So someone who is just licensed to sell life insurance could be a financial advisor. Someone yeah. who just has the ability to broker could be a financial advisor. So I'm a, I'm a proponent of interviewing whoever it is that you choose to help you with your finances, do your due diligence and do your research and, and understand what kind of advisor are they? I'm a big fan, just like Tony Robbins, the fiduciaries, find someone who's a fiduciary because they're going to put your interest or required to put your interest to the best of their ability first. And I think that the relationship, wealthy, wealthy people have healthy relationships with their professionals and the financial professional should be right along with that. Yeah, I think it's so important. I mean, even in the private equity firm, we brought in a certified financial planner to help bring people into our company and to be able to support them in this process. Because oftentimes when it comes to the traditional market, folks are getting paid for the work they're doing based on the assets under management or under most of the time under the commissions that they're making. That's the way most of the industry works. And there's nothing wrong with people getting paid and there's nothing wrong with fees and things. Companies need to operate, um, but you need to make sure that you have somebody in your corner who you can really trust. So, you know, reach out to Lisa to get a great recommendation or reach out to our firm. We have some great people we can refer you to that can help you make that plan. One thing I will share with you, it's important to know the difference between a certified financial planner. They're going to typically understand the traditional market and the traditional type of investment opportunities that are available. They're often not going to be the best people to go to when it comes to private investments, businesses, uh, real estate, things like that. Some people have some experience in that, but I found that most of those people their goal is to to protect your money and they know what they know, but they often don't understand this other side of the business. So if you want to start investing in private equity or real estate or syndications or funds, it's important to have that person and trust their advice, but also to bring in other mentors or advisors that understand that space so that you can feel comfortable in making those decisions. I think that's great. And I think that speaks to the team concept is that you, you assemble a team who plays well with others. Mm -hmm. That's really important. So you don't need a know-it-all financial professional. You need a financial professional who can help you with what they help you with and also want to play and, and hang out and have conversations with the other people that are on your team. And they typically operate like a board of advisors and the best boards are going to have different people with different opinions that are going to conflict because their expertise are different. Yep. So it's important to know that there's going to be one person telling you one thing and another person telling you another thing, and they both can be right. But you as the financial quarterback of your life have to make that decision. Yep. 
So as we kind of get close to, you know, wrapping up here, what is the biggest advice you have for the people who are listening, who are, they're having a ton of success, they're making a ton of money in their business, uh, they're making a ton of money in their career, and they really want to go to that next level, but they still have those fears, those beliefs, those things that are holding them back from actually taking action on the things that they've listened to or learned from people like you and I, mm. what advice do you have for them? Well, the first thing I would say is you get to work on loving your life. Mm. One of my favorite books is the, um, well, there's a couple, I, this one, I was just on the news on the same news. Uh, what do you call it? The same news outlet as he was is Mitch album. And it's the five mm. people you meet in heaven. Mm. As much as success is important, Give yourself the ability, give yourself the permission to enjoy the fruits of your labor. I've seen it all too often where there's hardworking people with a shit ton of money who do not allow themselves to enjoy their lives. Know your numbers well enough and have the right team in place so that when you want to drop some money on a new car or when you want to go to Bali for a retreat, that you can create permission around that. And also find coaches Find someone like me, shameless plug, to help you break through the mindset, the scarcity mindset, because it's not a have to. You don't have to have a scarcity mindset. You can break through it to give yourself the permission to enjoy your life now and for years to come. Yeah, I think that's really, really good advice, because the truth is, if you're unhappy and you're poor and you continue with the same beliefs, even if you get rich or wealthy, you're yeah. still going to be unhappy until you change the way that you're looking at your life. Now, frankly, I'd rather be rich and unhappy yeah. than poor and unhappy, but it's important as you're on that journey to recognize that you can kind of make that change. Where where can people find out more about you or or uh, follow along in, in the work that you do? The easiest place to go is lisachastain.com. Also, I have a podcast and a YouTube channel. And on the YouTube channel, you'll also find the video podcast. And it's called Real Money with Lisa Chastain. We're having open, honest, vulnerable conversations about what it looks like to navigate all of these conversations with money so that you can feel less alone. And that's the best place to find me. Well, this has been really great, Lisa. I love finding other people who are you know, souls and on the same mission to help people make a big change. And, you know, I, the, the biggest recommendation I have to folks is as you're listening to this, there's things that you took away. There's things that you recognize that you can make that change in your life and choose one of them, if not many, to take some action on today. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. Hey, this is Steven again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is the Insider's Newsletter. Would you enjoy getting a single email every week with some of my favorite things, including tips and strategies on how to get the most out of your life and your investments? 
Basically, what it is is some of the coolest things that I've discovered or am pondering when it comes to life, investing, and business delivered in a short email every week to your inbox. Easy to sign up for, easy to cancel. If you'd like to try it out, type into your browser, investormindset.com newsletter to get started, and you'll get the very next one.